Welcome to Life Lessons, a ministry of Metro Believers Church featuring Pastor Glenn Smith. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, Pastor Glenn. So today we're going to actually uh, launch into this incredible journey um, called The Story. We've been talking about it for about five weeks now, and I just want to encourage you to make sure um, you read the chapter before you come. So chapter one, you should have read it this past week sometime, um, and come with that background so that you have the basics from Scripture, and then we'll go deeper each week um, and um, just bring that, bring it with you, bring the story with you, bring your Bible with you. Um, you can look at these verses either in your Bible or the story. Um, so we just wanted to let you know that we're glad you're here. Um, also, also I wanted to say that um, I think there's some cards up here. Are there? I think Dave took them or Matt took them. Somebody took them. Where's my commitment cards and invite cards that were up here? <laughs> All right. Somebody took them. All right, an invite card. Do you have the invite ones? No. Okay, sorry. Um, there's invite invitations that are either in your guest pack or at the um, info center. And please, uh, Matt, did you do that? You confess. Okay, I had them stacked here just perfectly. There we go. The invite cards. There you see it on the screen. Um, this is for you to take and invite some friends. Um, as you can see, um, we're going to do some amazing things of walking through, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute, um, talking about the Scripture from, generation, or from um, Genesis through Revelation. Also, if you haven't already, haven't filled out one of our commitment cards, this is basically you saying, I'm committed to the journey. I'm committed to 31 weeks of walking through the Scriptures from beginning to end, you fill out both sides, keep one half, and put the other back there in the offering container, the black box, and uh, you'll get different uh, emails from us during the week encouraging you about different things, okay? So if you haven't filled one out, you will not get those emails. So we want to have a record of that so you can get those emails as well. If you don't have one of our outlines, please slip up your hands. Our ushers will ush, and they'll get you one, Okay. So slip up your hand if you don't have one of our NBC notes, our outlines, and we will get you a copy so that you can take some notes here, okay? Now, as we've talked about in the past, we have four different ways that we have asked you um, to get involved with us. There's four different levels, and uh, the first one is the personal level, the personal life. Um, and we've asked you to, you know, just basically on a personal level, you're committed to read, read that chapter before you get here each and every week. The second, the second way that you can get involved is your home life, your home life. And here is we want you to get together and um, re talk about it around the kitchen table, around a meal or breakfast or something, um, just with your family. Now, um, there is a question, if you look at your NBC notes... For just a minute, either online or here in the hard copy, if you look at that, there's a question at the very end of your notes. For, it's a family assignment, and uh, it has a question for you to talk about 
with the kids. If they're reading this together with you, if they're in children's church here, they are, okay? And they're all on the same page. Everyone say, same page. And there's a question or an assignment for you to, to talk about this question together. And you can do anything else you want, but that just helps get you started, all right? And every week, there will be a different question kind of assignment for you to go through so that you can actually discuss that simple question with your family. Um, also, I want to encourage you um, to put together, take a selfie, you know, of you and your family as you're studying the story, and go to Facebook page, Metro Believers Church Facebook page, and upload that to our Facebook page. There's already one up there. It's mine. Okay, so if you want to show that picture, is it on there? There we go. That's my family, okay? And so uh, if you upload that, your, your family, to the Facebook page, at the end of every month, we'll have a drawing, and we'll pick out one family and just, you know, give you a gift card for a restaurant here in the Madison area for you to take your family out, Okay. At the end of all the people that uploaded selfies, we're going to do a drawing for a weekend getaway at the Kalahari for your family. How many of you think that's pretty cool? All right. So third way is your community life, and Matt's going to talk more about that. He already mentioned it. It's getting together in a story group and walking that out on a weekly basis or a biweekly basis. Um, And he'll talk more about that. Really want to encourage you to do that. And last is just come to church. Everyone say, come to church. Look at somebody and say, come to church. It's it's amazing how many people don't. And I mean, there's good reasons not to sometimes. Um, If if you're not obviously feeling well, you don't want to pass stuff on. Um, You're traveling or whatever, working, can't get off. But uh, if you are able, come to church. There's just something, there's a dynamic that takes place here that doesn't take place online. And thank God for what we have online for our live audience that couldn't be here. But if you can, how many think you ought to be here? All right, a couple of you do. Great. So let's go ahead and uh, get involved with the story today. We believe if you'll jump into these four different areas that you will, this year, it's our goal for you to see clearer and go deeper in the Scriptures than you've ever done before. So, um, at Sunday school, they were learning how God created everything, including human beings. And Johnny was especially intent when the teacher told him how Eve was created out of Adam's rib. Later in the week, his mother noticed him lying on the couch as if he were ill and said, Johnny, what the heck is the matter? To which Johnny replied, I have a pain in my side I think I'm having a wife. (laughs) There was another little boy who went to visit his grandmother, and she was in the kitchen making lunch. And the little boy was thumbing through their family Bible, and it sat on the coffee table. And uh, as he turned the pages, all of a sudden, this finely pressed leaf fell out of the Bible onto the floor. Now, without missing a beat, the little boy shouted out with excitement, Grandma, Grandma, I think I found Adam's suit. Okay? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we begin chapter one of the story. And uh, as we work through this together, I'm so excited to see you here today. Adam's suit may not fall off the pages, but I can tell you that God's truth 
will. And it's the kind of truth that will change your life. So, let's get started. Anybody up for some good life-changing truth? If you haven't already, I want to encourage you to download the app, um, share the story. Go ahead and share the story. If you haven't downloaded that app yet on your um, smartphone, it doesn't work for iPads, but smartphone. Um, and this app will actually help you tell his story, see God's story in five different sections or what we call movements. Now, we've, we've broken down the story into five smaller movements, okay? And you can see that up here. You can see it up here in these different um, sections. Now, if you have your app, you'll see that they coincide with these little icons up here, okay? You got five different icons on the, on the bottom of the timeline. The first icon being creation, okay? The garden, the story of the garden. The next icon being the menorah, and that's the story of, of Israel, then you, have, then you have the cross, which is the story of Jesus, and you have the fish, which is the story of what? The church, okay? Then you have the, the, the full tree, which is the story of the incoming, of the, of the end times, eternity, okay? So those are the five different um, icons that you'll see on your app, and they tell a story. And so um, you can see here that we'll, you can see the different things we're going to be covering all the way up to um, from B.C., which can anyone tell me what it means? Before Christ and, and A.D., can anybody tell me what that means? In the year of the Lord, Anno Domini, okay? It's a Latin word, which literally means in the year of the Lord. A lot of people think it means after death, okay? But it means Anno Domini, and it's a Latin word that simply means in the year of our Lord. So that's kind of the timeline that we're going to go through. And today we're actually going to kick off um, and unpack our first movement, okay? The first movement right there, creation, the fall, the flood. And we won't cover Babel today, but um, you can look that up and read that story. Um, so movement number one in the garden, we have bookmarks. Everyone should have got a bookmark when you came in today, okay? Um, if you don't have one, please slip up your hand and our ushers will get you one. And you'll get five of these. Just so you know, you'll get five different bookmarks throughout the 31 weeks. Every time we get to a new section, you'll get a bookmark with all of that on there. So at the end of our journey together, you should have five different bookmarks for that particular movement in time. See, God moves in a timetable, and when he gets ready to move, he does something very significant, okay? And so we're marking these uh, movements with these five different icons so that you can actually know when things happen throughout the Scripture. So, everyone got that? Got your bookmarks? We're ready to roll. The first sentence of the paragraph about movement one reads, and if you're taking notes, you can fill in the blank, in the upper story, God creates the lower story. In the upper story, God creates the lower story. And in that, we have creation. That's what he did. We have creation. In the upper story, God's, God's off here in the upper story, and all of a sudden, he decides to create 
the earth and man and woman, okay? And so, so we have creation that happens in the first movement out of the upper story. So let's read it together. Um, in, it's in, on page uh, one of your story or Genesis 1-1 in your Bible. And this particular scripture lays the foundation for everything we'll talk about. It says, in, let's, let's, let's read this together. In, come on, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, in the first four words of the story, we are already introduced to the main character. Once again, this is kind of like a novel, a story. We're introduced to the main character in the first four words. The main character is God himself. In the beginning, God. Everyone say that. In the beginning, God. Okay? In the beginning, God himself is the main character. Now, everyone, you're taking notes as well, and everything else finds their life and breath, breath and being from him. It all came from him. How do I know this? Because the next seven words of that scripture says, God created, underline that, God created the heavens and the earth. That's amazing. Some of us don't realize the heavens and don't realize how expansive it is. And, and I, I pause here for just a moment to speak to um, that Genesis 1 and 2 is not intended to be a science book that uncovers the age of the earth, okay? If you're not careful, you can fall into that trap. But from my study um, over the years, in my point of view, I, I kind of agree and complete, I think it's completely appropriate to hold to a young earth creationism, okay? Now, now that, that, there's, two, there's two different philosophies here in creationism. And then, of course, there's evolution, all right? So there's a young earth and an old earth philosophy or theory, okay? The young earth kind of point of view is that God created the earth in six earth-bound days, therefore leaving the earth rather young, okay? Or you can see 4,000, 2,000, 6,000 years old. Now, um, I kind of hold on to that view, but with a little differentiation. I believe that, that God could have created the earth that way, but created it with age, kind of like when you buy a pair of jeans, right? It's got holes in them, and, you know, I don't know why people do that, but they got holes all over them, and they pay good money for them, and they're already beat up, right? <laughs> or, you, you know, you restore a piece of furniture, and you restore it to look distressed and old and so on and so forth. So when you hear people say, over millions and millions of years, that could be true. That God could, how many of you believe God can do anything? Amen. We get so, so messed up on one little thing and we want to fight about that, but God can do anything. Once you, once you buy into Genesis 1-1, that God created the heavens and the earth, then that's the most important thing you can, you can embrace, see? So, but there's another, there's another theory that um, could be true as well, and it's called the theistic 
um, point of view or theistic evolution. And uh, that suggests, just so you know, you can dig deeper and find out where you fall, that suggests that there's a gap, okay? It's called the gap theory. There's a gap between Genesis 1-2 and Genesis 1-3, okay? Where it says that God hovered over the earth and the earth was, was void, right? And then it, the next verse says what? And God said, let there be light. So those are, those are two verses that many believe could be the gap theory or a theistic sort of point of view. Um, and that the earth, the earth um, actually is, it, it really represents six days, but not six 24-hour earthly days. It could be millennial, okay, millennium. Um, so, um, but neither, you have to understand something, neither theory or thought or perspective sort of um, undermines the purpose and the authority of Scripture. Both, both theories, both ideas, perspectives, um, square with the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> yes, sir, buddy. All right, so the main point is what I've said, is that we need to embrace that God is behind creation. Amen? We need to embrace God is behind creation uh, and not get caught up in arguing some of these points, okay? Um, so, we need to conclude that God started with nothing and created everything you and I see and some things we can't see. Once you conclude that there is a creator God, frankly, he can do whatever he wants, over, whether over a billion years or in a nanosecond. Just boom, and over a billion years. That's, that's all right. He's God, and he can do whatever he chooses he wants to do. So, let's get to the main point. Why did God do all of this? Why? Why did he do this? Why did he create the heavens and the earth? Why? Well, I mean, how many think he was probably pretty, pretty good and well off on his own? He's God, right? Okay. But here, here's, it comes down to a magnificent garden God created in Eden that the Bible tells us is located where the Tigris River, see I want to give you some background here so you understand it, where the Tigris River and the Euphrates River comes together. It's down in the Persian Gulf and it is by in modern day Iraq. Now I want you to look at this map here. And I want you to open your book called The Story for just a minute, okay, the, just the front cover. If you open that cover, I want you to take out your pen, if you would, please. And I want you to draw a picture right here where the Euphrates River and the Tigris River comes together, okay? That is where the Garden of Eden was, Okay? So you can draw that in your book so you know where it is. You can go back to that and remember. It's in modern-day Iraq, and it's uh, in the Persian Gulf, and it's right there between the Persian Gulf, Tigris River, and the Euphrates River. I think that's pretty cool when you kind of know those things. It's, it's just neat to, to know some history. In this garden, God placed his crowning achievement, the apple of his eye, he creates us. 
Everyone say us. Everyone say me. That's the crowning achievement of God's creation. Wow. Now, imagine the creator of the universe for just a minute, okay? Just, just think about it. The, the creator of the universe out there somewhere. And compared, compared to earth um, that he created way out there, so many things, it's so vast, it's, it's immeasurable as a matter of fact. It's, for example, for, for example, just think about this. The earth is one of the smallest planets in our galaxy, okay? It, it, there's eight different planets that make up this huge galaxy in earth. It's one of the smallest ones. But out there, way out there, it's bigger than a galaxy, and I want you to see the bigness of God here for just a moment. In 1996, astronomers focused this powerful Hubble Space Telescope. How many of you heard of that? The Hubble, yeah, there you go. On a small, utterly black patch of space right next to the Big Dipper constellation. This was in 1996. And they, they left the shutter open for 10 days. What did it reveal? Three more thousand galaxies. Okay? That's, that's a lot of galaxies, right? I mean, we're one, and we're, there's eight planets and billions of stars, but, but 3,000 more galaxies, each containing, each of those uh, galaxies containing billions of stars and planets and moons and comets and asteroids. Think about that. God created the what? Heavens and the earth. He created all that. Okay? Then, if that wasn't good enough, in 2004, they did it again. They pointed the Hubble telescope um, right next to the constellation of Orion, constellation, and they left it open for 11 days. And what did they discover? 10,000 more galaxies in addition to the previous 3,000 that appeared the first time. As it turns out, there are more than 100 billion galaxies in the universe that we know of. How many of you know God's a big God? God created what? So he created it all. And we're on the, one of the smallest planets in our galaxy... And it turns out that there's this huge out there, which brings us, you know, to our point. Why did he do all of this? Why? He's got all this stuff going on. He has all these galaxies, all the universe. Yet to God, we, me, you, are the crowning masterpiece of his creativity. Come on, church. You can do better than that. You, it's all right for you to say amen or that's awesome, okay? You can talk to me, all right? This is that kind of church. So it's just amazing that we are his crowning masterpiece of his creativity. It's just amazing to me. It blows me away when I think about it. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
the community of God, if you call it, simply desires to come down and use our motto as a church and do life together with the community of humanity. (laughs) Yeah, he wants to do life with you. He wants to do life with me. He wants to do life with the community of humanity. See, God is all about family. God is all about family. In the first pages of the Bible, we see what matters most to him. It's relationships. Everyone say relationships. You may want to write that down. What matters most to God is relationships. So God wants to know, he creates Adam and Eve, and he wants to know if Adam and Eve in creationism embrace the same vision that God does. And so he instills Adam and Eve in the garden, right? And um, it's different. They're different than any other of his creation. He creates Adam and Eve with the ability to choose what they want, the, the right to choose, if you will, okay? To give Adam and Eve a way to declare their decision of whether they would follow God's instructions or choose to disobey him, he actually puts them in a garden and get, puts two trees in the middle, and he says, you know what? Here's the tree of life over here, and here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil over here. Now, you can eat from any other fruit in the garden, but don't eat this fruit, okay, of this, the knowledge of tree of good and evil. So if they ate the tree of life, it would signal to God that they were in agreement with him, and they embraced his vision of life together. They were willing to follow him. Kind of like what you and I do when we surrender our life to Christ. We're willing to follow his lead and do what he wants with our lives. If they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would be signaling signaling to God that they were rejecting his vision. And that leads us to the second part of the story, the fall. Okay? So you have the creation of the heaven and earth. You have Adam and Eve. You have then the fall. Next is the fall. Okay, and so the next sentence in your notes reads, the first two people reject God's vision and are escorted from the garden. Now, they had to be escorted from the garden because once they fell, if they stayed in the garden and took of the tree of life, they would live forever in their fallen state. So God had to ban them from the garden. And and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which leads us to our next sentence, number four. Their decision introduces sin into the human race and keeps us from the community of God. Their decision introduces sin into the earth and keeps us from community with God. Now, the Bible tells us at that moment, Adam and Eve took of the forbidden fruit. And by the way, scholars and psychologists have actually done some study and they've delved more deeply into really the nature of the fruit and they and they've declared that it wasn't, it wasn't an apple after all, okay? Um, psychologists have concluded that there is no way that women was going to give, a woman was going to give up everything for an apple. So through all of their research, they found that it wasn't an apple after all. It was, wait for it, chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. 
But whatever it was, when they bit into it, they declared their decision. They, they made a decision, and at that point, something changed in their nature. Sin. Sin. Sin began to run through the bloodstream. Now they have two choices, signified by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, God, God originally wanted us to get our right and wrong from him. Do you hear me? That's why he wanted them to partake of the tree of life. That would be signaling that, God, I'm surrendered to you, and I want you to show me right from wrong. But when they chose to do their own thing and picked up the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they now had the right to choose on their own and knew good and evil. Problem. They continually chose evil because of sin, the sin factor. Everyone say the sin factor. Now see, before Adam and Eve faced all their decisions with only one opinion in mind, but now, and for us as well, there are two options. There is the good option, the right and wrong, the, the moral choice that's good for the sake of others and, and the, what, what's good for them. The other, other option is that it's something that wars within us. There's warring that goes on. You, you feel like you want to do right, but you don't. The Apostle Paul talked about it, okay? And so there's this war. Now, because they took of the tree and disobeyed God, sin entered in, and now there's this war going on on the inside of us. How many of you can relate to that war? You, you, there's times where you feel this struggle, this tension. You really feel like you should do this. This is what God would honor him. And then there's this other war going on saying, no, this will be fun. This will feel good. There's that war going on on the inside. It's called the flesh. We see them immediately hide after they fell and cover themselves, and they're ashamed, and many are ashamed today, and they begin to blame each other, and, and life becomes very, very miserable as a result of sin. And how many of you know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ? So the Bible tells us that this single decision affects all of us even today. How do we know this? On page 7 of the story in Genesis 4 in your Bibles, we're introduced to Adam and Eve's two boys, the boys, the kids, the kids. God actually allows us to see in reality the effect or impact of sin passing down from one generation to the next. God, God is actually pleased with Abel's sacrifice, as they grow up, they do sacrifices unto the Lord. And he's pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but he's not pleased with Cain's sacrifice. And Cain has two choices. One choice could be, you know, I could, I could learn something from my brother, right? I could learn something from him. Maybe, maybe he could teach me how to provide a better sacrifice to the Lord so that it would become acceptable to him but we know from the story that jealousy and anger rise up in Cain's spirit so much that God actually comes and visits him. And this is what he says in Genesis 4-7. He said, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Wow. Can you imagine God coming to you and talking to you about that? And then, and then turning around and choosing evil, 
Cain chose evil and went out and killed his brother, signifying something very important. The sin nature is passed down automatically through the seed of our father. The psalmist writes this. He even declares it. He says in Psalm 51.5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. See how sin passes from one generation to the next. And if you're a human being, how many of you are human beings here today? About half of you. Um, if you're a human being, it means that you're a descendant from Adam, which means that from the womb of your mother, you were conceived with a sin nature, okay? Now, here's what we all see over and over and over again as we study the story. When humanity is left alone apart from God, the expressions of evil get worse and worse and worse and worse apart from God. That's why you need God in your life because when you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you can overcome the sin nature. You can beat it. You can make the right choice. When you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you have right standing with God and you have the ability to make right choices. Okay? Nobody can make you do anything. And you can choose righteousness over evil anytime you want to. Now in the story, page 8 or Genesis 6, 5 and 6, it says that the Lord saw, we're talking about progression here, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Think about that. Only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Folks, this is the most awful declaration we can hear from the lips of God. He regrets that he made us. But the story doesn't end there, thank God. Amen? We're going to discover a very real truth that I want every single person that hears my voice today to hear. God wants us back. God wants us back. Even though I, it's just mind-boggling to me at how many times he does things to get us back. Which leads, which leads us to the next part of this particular movement, number one, is to the flood. The flood. Look at the next verse on page 8 or Genesis 6, 7, and 8. So the Lord said, I'm going to wipe everyone out. I'm, I'm tired of this stuff, okay? I'm going to wipe people from the face of the earth, all the human race I've created. And with the animals, the birds, the creatures, or cre creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. But Noah, there's where Noah comes in, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now the plan makes complete sense. Let's just start over. <laughs> it's like, all right, let's just a do-over. Let's wipe out everyone because evil has gotten out of hand here, and it's crazy. Nobody wants to live right and righteous. So let's just wipe out everyone because we need to start over. And we're going to choose the best guy, best guy in the human race at the time, and that was a guy by the name of Noah. Everyone knows Noah, right? Noah? Yeah. He builds this gargantuan ark, right? And uh, he puts all the animals in, two by two, and then a massive flood hits the earth, and everyone's wiped out except for Noah and his family. So did it work? 
Did it work? Did, did God get us back? Nope. One really big problem. Noah and his family took the sin virus with them on the boat. <laughs> a lot of people say, why would he do that? I mean, why, why do God's plans keep falling and failing here? I thought God was, you know, like in control of everything. No, God created you with a choice. And you have a right to choose God or not. And once again, did God know that Noah would blow it again and his family? Yes. But I think, and this is simply my theory, that I think God was trying to communicate to humanity after the fall that no matter what was tried, nothing would work till the blood of the Lamb was spilled, His Son, Jesus Christ. I think He was just trying to communicate, you know what? This didn't work, 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 but guess what? I want you back. I'm not stopping. I'm going to figure out a way to get you back so that you all see this is the only way. See? It was only a matter of time before sin raised its ugly head again, and it did right after the flood. The cycle continued. Noah got drunk one night, and he was naked, and his son Ham comes in and, and sees him laying there naked and drunk, and he goes out, and he broadcasts it, mocks his father, and makes fun of him. It may seem like a small thing, but it was, it was very, a very bad choice to do that, and that was a result of the sin nature, the resident within all humanity. So we have, we have creation, we have Adam and Eve, we have the fall, we have um, the flood, and of course then comes the Tower of Babel. But as we close today, I know time is getting away from us, as we close today, what will it take? What will it take to get us back into the garden with God? What will God do next? See, I believe that God wants to take us back to the garden. In the garden before the fall, there was innocence. There wasn't judgment. There wasn't hatred. There wasn't bitterness. There wasn't resentment. It was innocence. They had nothing covering them physically. They weren't ashamed. They could be naked and not ashamed. And there was nothing covering them between them and God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God came down and walked with them in the cool of the day. Wouldn't that be cool if we could do that right now? That, that, or in Wisconsin, in the heat of the day. <laughs> but God would actually just come down and they would fellowship and they would do life together, see. And, and they could hang out and and just enjoy community, see? And God wants to take you back to the garden right now. You don't have to wait for eternity. You can do it now where you can receive Christ, accept his gift of salvation, and take you back into that place of innocence so you don't have to live your life the way that the enemy wants you to live your life, see? You can make good choices about your life. What will it take What's God, God's going to do next? Which leads us to the last paragraph in your notes today. The rest of the Bible. So from the first movement, the tree, the Garden of Eden, all the way to Christ, from the, the rest of the Bible is all about God's story of how he kept that promise 
and made it possible for us to enter a loving relationship with him. Wow. So all, all of this, the story of Israel, all of these years, the fall of a nation, Joshua, Abraham, Moses, you know, Solomon, all these people, David, King David, all these people leading up 400 years of silence from, from uh, Malachi there, leading up to Christ, it was all to get you back. Wow. It's persistence, isn't it? Thousands of years to get us back. Wow. So what's the point? You're his point. You're his point. You're the point of the story. When God replaced Adam and Eve's fig leaves with garments of skin, and that, that blows me away. I mean, he, here they rebel against God, do their own thing, got a fig leaf hanging out. Fig, I call it fig leaf fashions, right? Got a fig leaf hanging out, and God goes out, kills an animal, brings back the skin and covers Adam and Eve, even after they rebelled. That's how much God loves you. Wow. God gave us a clue in those first few pages as to how far he would go to fulfill his supreme desire to restore relationship with you. Even when we're ashamed and feeling vulnerable, he covers us in order to restore our relationship with him. But covering, as I said a moment ago, requires the shedding of blood. See, there had to be a sacrifice that would pay and that was Jesus when he gave his life for you and for me for every sin and the sin nature that we would ever have. God did it for you and he did it for me. So we now are invited to soak in the fact that God, the God of the billions of galaxies, the God of the universe wants to be with us more than anything, anything on the earth or throughout the universe. That's my God. Let's stand together. You know, this is such a cool story. Next week, we're going to get into our second part, and that's God builds a nation, the nation of Israel, and how that fits with Abraham and Joseph. But all of this is to convince humanity that we need a Savior. That from the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve rejected him, that he was going to find a way to get us back. Wow. Just let that thought just permeate your thinking today. As you watch the Olympics tonight, just think about, wow. God, from the beginning of time, worked, put together plans to show us we, have, we need a salvation, we need a Savior. And he worked for thousands of years to accomplish it. And you and I have it right at our doorstep, right now. Salvation. Community with God, doing life with him, hanging out. I can tell you that I walk with him in the cool of the day. I have fellowship with God because of his presence in my life. And you can have the same thing too or you just sense he's there with you. 
Let's just bow our heads for just a moment as we close. God, I'm asking you to reveal yourself to those that are in this room and perhaps those that are watching live today. God, I ask you to show yourself so strong and so powerful in their lives that you would just reveal and help them to realize, not just intellectually, but spiritually, deep down in their hearts. They would realize how much you want them back. And what lengths you have gone to to make it possible for us to choose you instead of Adam and Eve choosing the serpent, the devil, they, we choose, have the right to choose you now. It's a do-over. We get, to, we get to choose for ourselves whom we will serve. This morning as we're closing our service, if you're here this morning and say, you know what, or maybe on live stream, you know what, I, I, I haven't been walking with him. I'm kind of like Adam and Eve. I've chose the wrong thing. I've made the wrong choice. And today I just want, I want to partake of the tree of life. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I just want him that's you and you're here, just, just slip up your hand real quick. I want to see who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, that's such a right decision. That's such a right decision, man. Thanks for being honest enough to say, that's me. I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm crossing over. I'm taking, I'm taking the tree of life here. I'm going to eat that fruit. I'm taking Christ. I'm receiving him. Can we pray a prayer of commitment with them together as a church? Can we all say, Father God, thank you that you never gave up on me even though I haven't pleased you and surrendered my life to you. Kind of like Adam and Eve. I've sinned. But yet you have found a way to cover me. I choose life today. I choose you, Jesus, as a sacrifice for my sin. Because of you, as I make you Lord of my life, I am now the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a new creation. The old things are passed away, and I'm a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. God, we just rejoice right now for all of these who have surrendered their life, perhaps at home or in a hotel room or on the other side of the world as well. God, I just ask you to start something fresh and new and help them to realize that, that they're new. <laughs> it's a brand new life. A great brand new life. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give the Lord a hand. 
If you want to know more about life lessons, check us out online at MetroBelievers.com or write to us at Metro Believers Church, P.O. Box 45702, Madison, Wisconsin 53744. 